Wild West was a place that was void of God's law and every man did what was right in his own eyes. More than 95% of Americans lived in places with fewer than 2,500 inhabitants. By 1830, the distance of the prairie needed circuit riders to spread God's word. Some called them saddlebag preachers. These were a different kind of clergy, used to long, dusty roads and lonely, empty spaces. They rode from church to church on horseback. These days, many of those same places still have less than 2,500 folk. The men and women who are called there are still a different breed of clergy. The needs are different, but the call to reach men and women with the message of Christ is still the same. In the spirit of these circuit riders, we aim to meet a few of those specific needs. Welcome to the Circuit Rider Podcast. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to the Dirt Road Circuit Riders Podcast. I'm here with Michael Houle and Doug Rutledge. My name is Steve McVeigh, and we have been interviewing um, Jeff Clark uh, with the International Mission Board, and it has been so exciting. He talked a little bit about, in this last podcast, as we talked about missionaries and how we, we have to adopt a missionary mentality, he talked a little bit about language, and he talked about um, what it was like for him up North, for those of us who grew up in Michigan, when he talked about, you know, what's up in the UP, UP yay, and all that, yeah, and all that kind of stuff. So <laughs> I'm, I am slaying it. You know what he said, by the way, just so that we could, he said we should learn it so we can understand it. We didn't have to speak it. There's a reason because you'll slay it just like I did. Yeah. You were going to get all these complaints from the six people that live in the UP now about That's the right. way he slaughtered six, UP. Just, just remember this I'm a troll. I grew up <clears throat> under the bridge, not over the bridge. Forgive me. Mm-hmm. I I do know what a pasty is, but Doug, what <laughs> is the most interesting like language thing that you had to learn when you moved to reading Michigan? So, so Michigan's language is not a pretty language. Michigan's nasal, it's not nasal, and and it's uh, so it's the world of dropped consonants. At the end of consonants, and so there's no there's no hard consonant at the end of a word by Michiganders. But I there was a series of words like library. So li, there is not a library. There's a library. It's the only place in the world where I hear about the elementary school. The em, yes, oh you know, my the goodness. emphasis on the wrong thing. The elementary school. I you know uh, I, I just think that there are a million of those. We have people pretty commonly say Pacifically, and I don't think that's what they mean. They're not referring to Seattle or, or you know, or, the or California or the ocean. No, it's just I'm being Pacific. Well, okay, me too, dude. Hang ten. I'm gonna get some seafood. So um, I, I'm not making fun of it. It's the way uh, the entire culture has grown up, and so the language. It's an interesting quote uh, from a. a book. Trevor Noah wrote a book called Born a Crime. Um, I don't know if I can advise people to read it, but I can say <laughs> this. He made an interesting state in the book. He said this. He said, when I sound like you, I am like you. When I've adopted your language, when mm, when I speak wow. the same language. I did, so I had to learn to speak the same language, Yes, which, you know, uh, so I don't say library and I don't say elementary, but, uh, you know, you start sounding more like the people oh you goodness. live with because it's not they anymore. 
right? Use guys. Oh, I'm sorry. You, <laughs> you guys. You guys. I say guys oh. about everything. You know, guys you and people well, use are guys. Offended. Use guys is like the common thing. Or you know, um, yes. is the other thing in yeah. Wisconsin. We have a password to get into Chippewa Falls. Mm. It's not Chippewa. We, if you say Chippewa, just turn around and leave because mm-hmm. we know you're not from here. It's Chippewa. Mm-hmm. It's Chippewa. Yeah. And you rarely say the word falls unless you have to spell it out for someone else. Yes. So there's like all these little passwords and things is always interesting, but as, there's always little certain tests. But I always, I always realize how often when I slip into it, when I'm not around it, I'm all like on the, out on the coast and someone's like, what did you just say? I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm speaking Chippewa Falls right yes, now. Yes, that's I right. Mm-hmm. And what's amazing, you use that elementary. Okay, I grew up an hour from where we're sitting, an hour from where you do ministry. Mm-hmm. I moved to Kansas. I can't say it right. It's elementary, okay? I grew up here, so I know what you mean. Yep. And that's that's how it and, and it absolutely kills them. It's yep. a, it's a reminder that I am a missionary. So as as Jeff was talking to us in this interview, and he he mentioned missionary and you know all of the the ways that it's going to take a long term, yeah, you know, seven years before you really become one of them and all that kind of stuff. And, and the idea of developing a missionary mindset, a sending mindset, all of that kind of stuff. The question that I asked him next had to do with that's that you know that's great, but whenever I talk to rural pastors and you present them with some new idea about okay, this is where we should be going as a rural church, the question then becomes: Yes, if I understand that. Yes, if I buy into that. Yes, if I believe that's a vision. How do I help these people? that seem like bumps on the log, you know, how do I help them adopt a missionary mindset? Because that's one of the things that we just have to acknowledge is a rural pastor, one of your jobs, in addition to being a missionary, is to convince your congregation that they're missionaries. And so I asked uh, I asked Jeff that question, and we're just going to jump right into this interview and listen to his response. A missionary. You, you're a missionary who wants to bring the gospel to people who don't have the gospel. And I have found in every rural community, there, there are just pockets of people who are disenfranchised from the church. You know, those who've been in a community a long time, they don't, they don't see the transients. They don't see, you know, the people that come into these small communities just because of $300 rent. They don't see migrant communities, you know. How, how do you know how to lead? You, you think about I want my church to be a river. I want my church to be missional. How do you like distinguish in between, okay, here's culture that I need to learn, that I need to adopt to, and here's something that really isn't scriptural. This cult, you know, the culture of our church isn't missional. How do I sort that out and help that church, that rural church who's a traditional church, become a mission station, for lack of a better word? Correct. Uh, it's a very difficult thing. You're you're going in and um, tampering with the DNA of a church when you get this deep. But um, this is where you start with fighting three big issues. One is the us for no more mentality. Uh, the second one that you get is the us first mentality. You know, well, let's take care of us, let's get our church financially established before we start going off other places, starting churches and new outreach. The other one is, well, we're just too small to really make a difference. Uh, 
those three uh, mindsets are, are anti-missional, if you will. Uh, maybe that's a bit harsh, but with this, it's a, it's a schizophrenic type thing. Uh, every, you go into every small church and you ask them, what do y'all want to do? You're going to get the right answer. We want to grow. We want to reach our community for Christ. Okay. Um, and then when you start to do that, they go, well, we didn't mean this. <laughs> you know, this, we didn't know it. We wanted, first of all, we wanted you to do that, Pastor, uh, mm-hmm. not us do that. Well, if we're going to be the we, I signed off a while ago, <laughs> then we all need to be, be involved in this. I tell churches, in order to develop a missional mindset, you have to start with low risk, high reward, things you can do in your own community to get them to begin to look out past the us for no more. Say, uh, what can we do at our local school? What can we do uh, in our local community? That, that would be uh, a low risk. We're not asking you to go to uh, uh, Burma and into the jungles and teach uh, people about Jesus. We're just asking you, can we paint the the, the uh, a classroom or something at the school. Can we can we help with a, uh, a Thanksgiving meal in, in our community? How can we begin to do some things and sh- slowly lead them to the place where they can become missional on their own? So you start with small things in your community, and then start looking at things in the next community over. Uh, uh, when I was in Michigan, uh, we did some outreach in the community with youth. Uh, this is back long before uh, I saw somebody made it popular, but we come up with this uh, R-I-O-T riot, you know, and we put up signs all over town. There's going to be a riot, a big riot in town. Of course, in a little town, everybody's going, what in the world's it, radical impact on teenagers, you know? Well, it was it was very successful. All the kids, you know, there's nothing to do in those small towns. They all come to it. We had a big deal. Um, then somebody in church says, well, the next town over, they need something like that. How could we go over and do that over there? Typically, one event begets another event. Um, and so don't start with some kind of big, grandiose plan uh, of, you know, saying we're going to go to Guatemala and uh, – do a mission trip. Let, let's start with, let's go to our, our local school. Let's go to the next town over. Um, and, and you have to have a mindset that, that this is the hardest part. This is the hardest thing of all things. We have to have the mindset of giving away gifted leaders. And that's almost, uh, Baptist pastors are hoarders. Uh, we we hoard our, our leadership, we hoard our resources and finances, going, we don't have enough for ourselves. I'm not stockpiling them, I just don't have enough to share. God's economy is always upside down. The more you give, the more you receive. Um, and I'm just, I just believe that, that to be true. Uh, I believe the, the more we give away, the more God honors that obedience. Uh, we have to look at what are we hoarding and why are we hoarding it. And ultimately, that comes down to the fact that we don't we hoard things because we don't really trust God. If I let them go, what's going to happen to our church? Well, that's God's problem, not yours. You're 
job is to be obedient to the Great Commission. That, that's the deal. We don't we don't do missions. We don't become missional because we love the people. Oftentimes we don't. Mm-hmm. You know, we love them because God loves them. Yes. <laughs> Not because they're lovely. <laughs> you know, um, we don't do it because of the 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 need, the the poverty, and all things we talked about a while ago. Ultimately, we do missions because Jesus commands it. This is what he told us to do. It's simple. It's a simple command. Go into all the world and make disciples. That's why we do missions. And and to do that, we have to be willing to give away leadership, give away resources. We have to go outside of our church and practice uh, sometimes baby steps, moving one step to another step to another step so that 10 years from now, you'll be amazed at where you're at. But you can't do it without being intentional about doing missions. What a great pivot, almost, that he made there as uh, he began by telling us about the obstacles that come with leading a rural congregation. And I just want to ask you guys about those, and then we can jump a little bit into the concept of a river and, and I, you know, or ascending church. And, and we may even just need to do a podcast just about that someday, but... He talked about us four and no more, us first, and we're too small. Have you guys seen that in in your experience as you deal with rural congregations and, frankly, even rural pastors? Do rural pastors sometimes buy into those three things? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the movie Hoosiers, where uh, they're getting ready to— He's introducing himself to the team where Norman Dale is introducing himself to the team. And one of the players says, we're small. And it's it's this, um, we're less. That mm. We're small means we're less. And I think that that's a part of the psyche that, w- that we're wrestling against. We're not less. In fact, we're expected to be greater. We're expected to still look like the same Jesus that people who have all kinds of resources have. Uh, it does require smaller first steps. And I loved what, what Jeff said about that, the, you know, the concept of you know, the one event begets another event. I do the one thing in front of me that we can accomplish, mm. that we can check off, and we see where God's going to take us as opposed to hoping that all of a sudden uh, we're going to experience this incredible um, megachurch phenomenon that's going to happen. You know, the, the, it's the lottery approach to church growth. <laughs> it really is. And the interesting part, I would say, is the us-first mentality. We end up a lot in the idea of once we're healthy enough, we can do this. Now, we know if someone said that they didn't want to come to our church or was hesitating to try to figure it out, say, well, once I'm... I, I've cleaned up my life and I don't sin anymore and I'm perfect. I can come to church. You know, as a pastor, what the answer is to that. But ironically, we take that and we flip it the same way when it comes to what we need to do to step outside. We just, we, we, the, the lack of provision makes us feel small again, same theory, but also it's like we just want to be healthy enough. And when you start to define health, how are you defining that? That's the key element. And the other thing I would say about that is too, is in the Hoosiers movie, just brought it back to me is in the championship game, they measure the hoop. It's still 10 yeah. feet. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's still the same. And mm-hmm. we pretend like the, the ball has is been moved somehow on mm-hmm. so the goals have been moved. Mm-hmm. And even though we're playing the same court, you know, a lot of us, if we never escape the, they stage, so right. I'm going back to the last part, you know, if yes. we never escape the, they stage, then it's really easy to blame them 
for everything that doesn't happen. Yes. And uh, I, so my mentor just said, has it ever occurred to you that you're your own answer to your own prayer? And I thought, nope, it never did until now. <laughs> and so I keep on saying the same thing because it's a new occurrence for me over and over again, that if we want something dynamic to happen within the body of our flock, we're the ones who are called there. We're we're supposed to do it. Absolutely. And I would also say that that low-risk, high-reward you're talking about, too, is it's, it's good to get wins. Little wins are important. And, and the funny part is, is like, we know this in everything else in life. Like, like we talk about losing weight. You know, you got to lose two pounds before you can lose 30. And so often we try to lose 30 right away, and you just can't do it. You can't lose 30 in a week. If you do, you probably have some other health issues going on that we should be worried about. And, and I think the truth is for, the, for this situation, for all of us, Getting those little wins matter. And then celebrating those. I'd actually challenge them further, and I'd say celebrate the failures. Mm-hmm. And people like, I'm crazy. We celebrate failures because we were obedient to what Christ has asked us to do. Yeah, that is that is so good. And I really think that for rural, for rural pastors, as we think about you know hope and encouragement and what it means to be a missionary, the, the, the truth is, is that God is the one who's on mission. I loved where, where Jeff said, that's God's problem. Mm-hmm. It is His mission that we are a part of, and we're to be obedient. And that means we're open-handed. That means that we don't hoard, as He said. And so, what He did there, what Jeff did there, was so because I asked him about how do you lead the congregation, and he identified those three things, and then immediately turned and basically said, "You know, it's the leader." It is a leader. What mentality do you have? Do you care enough to release leaders? Do you care enough? And, and you know, I use, uh, borrowed it really from a city guy, Larry Walkemeyer, but he grew up in a very small town in Western Kansas, sister record. Do I have a lake mentality or a river mentality? Am I judging success by what I can collect or by what I can send? And I think one of the things when we get to where we really dive into this, we're going to have to talk about the scorecard. Mm-hmm. You know, what does what does ministry success really look like if I am a missionary to rural America? Well, us first, uh, you know, us for no more. Those mentalities don't allow me to release my best talent, which is something that, you know, that Jeff spoke to. He, he said that's the hardest thing. Uh, and if you are a rural community, you really need to literally embrace a larger world view of your Christianity, that every person you train, that you develop, that you disciple, that you evangelize who leaves is your ministry being expanded outside of the, the quorum. But we're so used to these small boundaries between small towns, and yeah. frankly, it keeps us small. And I think one final thought on that is the idea of reconfiguring success. Like you said, what's a win? And here's the hope for rural America. That young leader you sent out that really is painful to send out, we've done it. It's like you feel like you're, (gasps) what just happened is actually a huge win. And I think what we call small wins, because we're, we're looking at hard, raw data instead of like the metrics of reality of the kingdom of God, um, are huge wins in the kingdom. And so as we do those things that take those steps, we start to realize that we're getting actually bigger wins in the kingdom than we give ourselves credit for. And I think that's what changes our mindset. Absolutely. And there's, I, I think, in future podcasts, as we continue to push into this, which we will, we'll talk about a number of dynamics with this. But but here is 
what we'd like to really end with, pastors, as we as we just think about what does it mean to lead a congregation from being a traditional lake mindset church to a river church, is that it really just starts with one, one event, one person. Just you, you, you have to start with what you have. It's Moses being told, "What do you have in your hand?" And to, for 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 pastors, here's here's what I would want you to do: is to stop focusing on what you don't have, and even stop focusing on the challenges in the congregation because there you're going to have us for no more. You're going to have us first. You're going to have we're too small. Focus on making sure that isn't in you. Finding those who are open then, take those first steps, and, and I sort of almost see it like a log jam. I'm going to move one log at a time, and, and down the road, like Jeff said, 10 years from now, who knows what could happen. And I just want to testify to you guys, I went to a church that was going to be closed, and here we are today, we're, we're investigating the fourth plant and Dirt Roads Network has been born, and all these types of things. That's a 21-year story, but I want to tell you, it started with one. It started with one. And so, Pastor, your hope right now is what is the next step? And that's what I just want to ask you as we wrap up today. We're going to, next week or or next podcast, Jeff's going to give us some closing words. We're going to wrap up this interview with Jeff, and he's going to give us some encouragement. But, Pastor, I just want to ask you, what is the one thing you should do this week? The one log that you can move. I mean, that's going to be progress. What is the one step? And you keep taking those one steps over the years. You'll be amazed at what God could do. So thank you so much for joining us today. All three of us are praying for you. And we're looking forward to seeing you next time on the Dirt Roads Circuit Riders podcast. The Circuit Riders would like to thank our partners for their interest in assisting rural leaders. Rich Roast Custom Coffee, supporting rural missionaries with a wide variety of delicious worldwide coffees. Our friends at ThinkOrange.com, wanting to join your team to help you create a better experience this week for kids and teenagers. Katrina at CrossroadsFarm.org. Vineyard Small Town USA. Vineyard Small Town USA, equipping churches to plant in small towns across America. Disciples of Jesus, making disciples. MultiplyVineyard.org slash USA. Crossroads Farm, working alongside of rural remote churches to provide an outsourced cooperative youth ministry that really works. CRF, loving the rural team. www.CrossroadsFarm.org Dirt Roads Network transforming rural America by planting and revitalizing life-giving churches in small towns and communities. www.dirtroadsnetwork.com For more information about the Circuit Riders or any of these partners, check out our Facebook page or contact them on each of their websites. On behalf of the Riders, I'm Carl Miller saying, until the next Circuit Riders podcast next week, happy trails.